Hi, and welcome into another edition of The Front Office. I'm Tony Lombardi, joined by Brian McFarlane, as I am each week. This edition of The Front Office is brought to you in part by Rock Spring Financial Group. Rick Metzger and his team of professionals work with many lenders, and their goal is to find the right one to fit your mortgage needs, whatever they are. If you're seeking financing for a dream home, beach home, a rental property, get the right fit with Rock Spring Financial. Others have taken my suggestion and walked away from the table smiling ear to ear. Call them at 443-801-6389. That's 443-801-6389. Or check them out online at rockspringfinancial.com. Brian, it's not the way I wanted it to end on Sunday. What a debacle. And I got to tell you, when I was watching that game, I thought back to the 2012 season when the Ravens got demolished by the Houston Texans, although this game happened to be in Houston. Right. And in that game, the Ravens were – what I didn't remember is some of the details, which were kind of spooky in a way, that they were 5-1 and entering that game, just like they were this past Sunday, and they were just playing just before the bye. And they came out of the bye. I think they reeled off three or four straight wins, and we all know what happened during the 2012 season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I saw a, a, a stat that every time they've, I think that this will be the fourth year they've, fourth time they've started five and one, but each of those years they had a three game losing streak in there. Um, so, um, yeah, and I think, I think the other two times they started five and one, they went to the Super Bowl with the three or with the three uh, game losing streak. So, yeah, that was pretty ugly. Um, uh, every game has turned out my what I would expect the game to be uh, has turned out wrong and I said I expect it to be a close game so watch this be a blowout either way and unfortunately it was a blowout the wrong way for us yeah it was just a lot of the same issues that we saw in that Colts game it looked a lot like the first half of the Colts game in the sense that they weren't tackling well short passes were being taken to you know a lot of yak and I thought they cleaned that up against the Chargers but I was wrong yeah, and it didn't seem like they made a lot of a great adjustments. Um, you know, that I mean, Chase was killing us on the slant, but they didn't seem to make any kind of adjustments to, to you know, to, to, to double him, to put somebody in that alley, to, um, you know, I, I don't know if he was just – I didn't pay close enough attention to see if he was just beating Humphrey off the line or if Humphrey was getting up there and, and you know, and really give, chucking him and giving being physical. But whatever it was, it didn't work for sure. Well, in watching that game and the way the Bengals made adjustments in the second half in terms of their pass protection, what they were doing wasn't a lot different than seven-on-seven drills. Because if you ever go out there, and I know you have during training camp, it is so decidedly in favor of the offense. It's incredible. And and when you – I don't care who you are. If you have a guy that's going to run – an in route or a slant route and the quarterback has protection and has a throwing lane, it's pretty difficult to stop that. Yeah. I mean, uh, it just seemed like, yeah, you're right. It was, it was more the, I mean, we, they were getting after Burrow pretty well in the first quarter. I mean, he, he evaded the rush on it more than, than we got to him, but, and it, it did seem like those were deeper drops and these were definitely, um, you know, much more, uh, you know, three-step, uh, 
drops and balls out and chase was just, and, and then they couldn't tackle. I mean, uh, there were so many plays that, you know, that they could have put him, if they put him down and okay, he got some yards, but that's okay. But um, the play right before the half where he went all the way across the field and then got out of bounds, which probably saved them the chance because, I mean, I think that was a 20 or 30 yard gain and they had no timeouts with, with about 14 seconds. I'm not sure they get, they all get down there and get set to even get that field goal off to make it 13, 10. And then obviously when the fourth quarter came along, I mean, they were just playing pitch and catch at that point. They really were. It was just, it's crazy. So now recency bias has kicked in Brian, not only on a local level, but a national level. One week ago, people were exalting the Ravens for their, ability to face adversity to, to the next man up overcoming injury. They're five and one team best record in the AFC and the sky's the limit for the Ravens. One week later, they're crowning the Cincinnati Bengals as the AFC North champions. Yeah, it is pretty funny. Uh, yeah. And I, I guess that's just the way it is these days. And I, you know, I always kind of like the Ravens seem to play better when they're, they're not the, the top dogs. So, um, you know, maybe this will, you know, especially since they're not playing next week, maybe they'll get a little more forgotten and can kind of go on a run from here. And you wonder why that becomes so ingrained in an organization. And there's just too much of a history where they are much better when they have nothing else left to do but fight and, and win. And they just don't seem to agree with, you know, uh, being the top dog being yeah no it's true i mean but and it's it's odd because you've gone from you know that was it i mean billick was the one who really they really played that up and us against the world kind of thing but and harbaugh doesn't seem to be that kind of guy but um you know but it's definitely stuck and obviously went from ozzy doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would you know that that would be his mentality and or nor da costa but it's certainly it's certainly been the pedigree of this team. So here we are. We're left with picking up the pieces, going into a bye, and it's going to seem like the longest bye of all time after that loss. And, you know, fans, even the team, I'm sure, are saying, how can we fix some of these problems? You can't fix all of the problems. Sometimes you just have to play better to fix the problems. But there are some personnel issues on this team, and I want to discuss a few of those with you today. Now, I want to take on the role of Eric DaCosta, and I'd like to ask you to take on the role of his trusty sidekick, Pat Moriarty. For those who don't know who Pat Moriarty is, he is the Raven capologist. So I know resources are extremely limited, but I'm Eric DaCosta, and I need to make a couple of moves right away. So here's me unleashing my inner Eric DaCosta. First, we need to get quicker in the offensive backfield. I want to get Marlon Mack from the Colts, and I'll offer a fifth. What's our portion of his 2021 salary? Yeah, Mack's an easy one. That's that's something they can pretty easily accomplish. Um, he has a $1 million salary. Um, so we are, I mean, if, we, if we're talking this week, uh, obviously these numbers will change slightly if we get past uh, Sunday for next week before the Tuesday's trade deadline, uh, but with a million dollar salary, um, we only have to pick up about uh, five hundred thousand of that. Um, 
a little more than that. What's it? Five fifty, I think. Um, and we obviously would be releasing somebody um, at that point, and that pretty much would be a wash. Um, we pick up. We'd have to pick up a little cap space on that, um, uh, or we'd need a little extra cap space on that. But um, so it's about it's about five hundred versus six hundred thousand. Um, if depending upon who goes, um, I'm not sure at this point, uh, I guess, well, Le'Veon Bell brings up another issue. Um, they do owe him salary, um, under, for the next two years, I'm two years, sorry, that was way off two games. Um, we always hear about our veteran salary benefit, um, issue when a guy is cut and his, and which makes his full year salary guaranteed unless he's on the, unless he doesn't uh, get onto the team till after uh, the first game, first game. Uh, however, there is also a, um, uh, an in-season salary benefit that is 25, that the player's entitled to 25% of that year's salary. Now, Bell just came on the team and uh, so we have, they'd have 12 weeks to go. So three weeks of that would get to your 25%. So we paid him for this week. We'd have to pay him for the next two weeks. Uh, we can look at that as spent money if he's here or not. You know, at this point, I don't think that's going to stop us because uh, it's only what another hundred grand uh, that we owe him, and uh, we might get that back next year because he's probably not going to claim that just for a hundred grand. But um, but that's next year's problem. So um, a guy like Mac at a million dollar salary, something they can certainly do given that whoever they're going to release, it's not going to, it's going to be close to a wash, maybe a hundred thousand more in cap space we have to use up, but that's certainly doable. So that's a good fit financially. What about the fifth round pick? You think that's sufficient enough for him? I think he was originally a fourth round pick. I, I, you know, I think we can offer them a sixth um, if they really now I don't know, you know, I haven't looked at their, at their uh, depth chart to see, obviously he's behind Taylor. I don't know who else they have there and what they're willing to, but um, given that you've, you know, you got Peters for a fifth and, and Campbell for a fifth, I'm not sure that, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't get, I would not, I don't think we would have to give up more than a fifth. I don't think we would give up more than a fifth. Okay. So if you don't give up more than a fifth, do you think he's the right kind of player? Because I, I think what we saw on Sunday is, Le'Veon Bell looked like he was running in quicksand and Devontae Freeman wasn't a whole lot better. Well, Freeman didn't get Freeman didn't get much of a chance, to be honest with you. I was surprised. I mean, I, I think Bell got more carries than Freeman did. And I would take Freeman's output way over Bell's for sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the ultimate the ultimate issue, though, will come down really comes down to um, just where the offensive line, I mean, is it, is, is a back going to make, I mean, I think this is, you know, an organizational question is, is it, is it the backs or is it the line? Um, and part of me is very fearful. It's, it's as much the line as it is the backs. Well, although, I, though I, although I would agree, I think Bell is, is, is toast. <laughs> so I want to get to the line in a second as I'm wearing my Eric DaCosta hat, but I wanted to touch on the, the backup to Jonathan Taylor in Indianapolis is Naheem Hines. And okay. he's, pretty, he's pretty decent back and he's done well in that system catching ball. And I think he had a pretty good game against the Ravens, you know, uh, last year in Indianapolis. 
and I think he was a return specialist as well. So, yeah, well, I mean, if 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 Mac if Mac is surplus to them, then that's certainly uh, certainly a possibility. And and he's on a one year deal, so it's not like you're getting him for two or three years. So that's why I would I would lean. I think you offer the sixth and and maybe go with the fifth, figuring our, our fifth is going to be a late uh, a late fifth. Actually, do we do we even have a fifth? Let me check on that because we've done so much wheeling and dealing with draft picks. Um, and I, we, we, I think we don't have a fifth or we don't have a sixth. So, um, but we can come back. We can, let me pull that up, but we can come back to that. Okay. So I'm, I'm back with my Eric DaCosta hat on. And so here, here's Eric. He's saying, you know, Patrick McCarry, his injuries played really well, done probably better than anybody in that organization expected except maybe Joe Del Sanders, who was a big fan, but he's done really well, but that injury hurts. And I know that John won't divulge publicly what the extent of the injury is, but with a high ankle sprain, he'll likely miss a few weeks, maybe even up until the Steelers week, perhaps longer. So I need you to fill in. Uh, we, we need to fill in for him because these rookies won't work and Tyree Phillips should be a guard, not tackle. Could you see him going up against Miles Garrett or TJ Watt. Oh my God. So we may as well get more fitted for a body bag. If that's the case, if we got to go Tyree Phillips out there against some of those, those defensive ends. So I'm thinking about one of two moves at right tackle. And I can call my old friend, Joe Douglas and see what the jets might want for Morgan Moses. What will he cost the cap and how do we do it? Yeah, Moses is is well. Moses' deal is, and I, I I must admit I don't have all the details that are out there, but he has a base salary of one point one million, so that's very similar to Mac, just a little more. Um, so that that part is doable. He has five hundred thousand in um, in uh, per game roster bonuses which means if he's on that if he's on the 50 or if he's on the 47 the active roster uh for that week he gets paid i believe it's about i believe that works out to be about 27 grand um per game um so the ravens would definitely have to pick that they would have to pick that up too and then there's seven hundred and fifty thousand worth of incentives and this is where this is a variable i can't totally speak to uh as far as what that means um everything i've looked up over and over the cap has that over the cap has that counting on this year's cap which means they would be part of his cap number this year now i i can't verify that for sure incentives are it's always tough to get information on incentives but if if that's accurate that's going to be much tougher to swing um, because that means we're picking up, um, you know, basically 11 18ths or 10 18ths, whether it's this week or next week, of, of that amount. So if we, if, if that whole amount is there, um, then that makes it, like I said, more problematic. Um, So you're looking at, you know, you're looking at that point, the Ravens, we're picking up 1.4 or 
or, or next week a little less than that. And that, uh, and they only have 1.2 in cap space right now. So um, that, that one is, is much more problematic. Um, maybe the jet, maybe you can get the jets, um, the jet, you know, the jets only have about 5 million in cap space. So, I mean, no team, there's not a lot of cap space going around. I mean, there's three quarters of the league is under 10 million in cap space right now. And uh, that close to three quarters is under 5 million in cap space right now. So, um, you know, getting them to pick that up, but Morgan Moses sounds like a great idea. I like the idea of, of them signing him when he was released. Um, but I'm not sure, and there's not a lot of wiggle room. Uh, now, it's if those, that's if those incentives are included in his salary, in his cap number this year. If they're, that would make them likely to be earned incentives. Um, they don't, he, he only gets paid that if he earns them, but, um, but they're counting against this year's cap. So in the trade, those would come over. If they're not included, um, then, you're, then it's a different story. Um, and there's more of a chance they'd be able to swing that, um, you know, in this year, in, with this year. And of course, then it's and then you get back into the trade compensation issue as well there. Right. Um, and let me pull that up. So Moses is a little more problematic. Mac is certainly an option, um, you know, cap wise and, and I think trade value wise. Moses is tough. They have some options and we can get into the options. I mean, that they can, um, you know, that they could do restructures. There's, there's not a lot of flexibility without void years, uh, but we can certainly get into that. I, you, you want to, you have another player you want to go to before we go into where they create the space? I do have another player to go to, but I also want to throw out the idea of what if one or both of Jalen Ferguson and Miles Boykin are let go is there a corresponding cap savings with either of those guys? It is, but it's not much. Um, it's about five hundred grand for both. Um, if if you're relieved, if you're relieved, but the end. Of, yeah, remember, you have to replace them too. Right now, they're still only carrying fifty-two on the on the fifty-three man roster, so they're already one man down. So far, they so far they've made that work. Uh, but if you're releasing, you know, if you're releasing Boykin for five hundred grand and bringing a guy in. Um, one of the two guys we've talked about, I mean, obviously if it's, if it's Marlon Mack, I, one of the running backs is going, uh, but you're not creating a lot of cap savings there from those guys. That's going to substantially change things when you, when you're going to have to probably add somebody to the roster anyway. So you release both of them, you create a million. If you, uh, you know, you bring in and let's say you bring in Mack and a lineman, Mack's pretty much a wash. Um, and you know, if, if, um, if Le'Veon Bell goes, then that's pretty much a wash, but you're still, you know, you're still creating, you know, so if you, if you get rid of, uh, Boykin or, or, uh, Ferguson, you bring somebody like, um, uh, you know, um, like any, either lineman we're going to talk about, you're still, you're still got, you're still then one roster space down. And now instead of 52, you only have 51 on the, on the 53, they, they, the first, five, four or five weeks, they were doing that. But at some point, you know, that may be an issue. Of course, Boyle coming off IR. I mean, I think that's why they're doing it. You got Boyle coming off IR at some point. And now they just, um, they just designated um, uh, the defensive Derek lineman. Wolf. Derek yeah. Wolf. Yes. Wolf to come back. So I assume that's what they're doing. 
those moves don't don't take up cap cap space because they're already they're already on the cap even on IR they're on the cap so um, so yeah so I mean a Boykin and a, you know you've got to wonder at some point if Boykin goes or if uh, if they find a way to get Wallace on IR um, because that would, carrying seven wide receivers doesn't make sense and they are going to potentially have some roster pinch at some point. So let's say they don't go after Morgan Moses via trade. The Seahawks just put a guy out there who came back. I think he had a biceps injury and his name is Cedric Oboehe. And I'm just curious to see maybe if that's a guy that could fit. And if he does fit, I think his salary was seemed to be pretty affordable for this year before he was released. Uh, what about the possibility of him instead of Moses? Yeah, I mean, I would think he'll come back at the veteran minimum. So you're basically looking um, if, 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 let's say, Boykin went, that's going to be a wash, um, just about anybody else. Uh, and again, they have a spot. So even, you know, even at the veteran minimum at this point, that's, you know, that's 500 grand. So, you know, they can find a way to make that work if they, I mean, a restructure of, of any number of players um, could potentially make that, or like you said, the release of Boykin uh, or Ferguson. So that that's that's certainly possible. That That's easily, from a cap perspective, more doable than, than Moses. Um, so the Ravens do not have a fifth-round pick. They do have a sixth, which is Miami's sixth-round pick, um, which is pretty much a fifth. And, you know, it's a high fifth. So, you know, um, that's something that would seemingly, for a guy like Mac, might fit perfectly. Um, you know, then you're – and they have five fourth-round picks. Uh, assuming uh, the comps, the comp picks for Judon and and uh, Nagakwe are going to come in in the fourth round and not the third. So, I mean, they've got flexibility there. Whether they trade a fourth, you know, if they traded a fourth for um, Moses, for, for instance, and then got a fifth or a sixth back, you know, that that may be something from a from a you know a, a compens to trade compensation standpoint. Um, that that would be something that, you know, would seem doable. Let's say that for just to play devil's advocate here, that Eric makes a call to Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll says, oh, boy, he is not the guy you want. He's he's fallen off. He's got this, that or the other going on. And you I mean, not a boy, but um, uh, yeah, the oh boy, he's the guy they yeah. don't want. They, so, he's the guy, they released him yesterday. Right. Yeah. So let's just say that that Pete Carroll throws them off on Obwehi and they said we got to go with Morgan Moses. I mentioned Ferguson, I mentioned Boykin as possibilities, but you said there's not a whole lot they can glean from that. Is there anything that they could do restructure-wise that makes at least somewhat long-term practical sense without mortgaging the future on any player to create some kind of space to get that guy yeah, I mean, they have three options left that don't create much, um, but every little bit helps. Um, and this, these can be done without adding void years, without spreading and, and spreading it out too much. So they can still, and this is this week, so it'll be a little less if it happens next week after Sunday. So um, they, have, they can get a little over a million by restructuring uh, Marcus Peters. They can get about 500,000, a little over 500,000 um, <clears> by restructuring Tavon Young. And then 
the next best restructure without adding void years is Sam Cook, and they can get about 236 grand. I mean, that's that's how far they've gone already. That that's how um, you know how. I mean, there's just there's just not much left. So you know, between the three of them, though, um, I mean, it seems funny to restructure a guy for 236 thousand, but um, you know, between the three of them, you're looking at you know, uh, uh, you know, a little over 1.7. Um, they've got the two point, you know, they, so that could get, you know, that could get Morgan Moses in um, if, if that's the only move. Um, like I said, Mac, you could get in because basically one of the running backs is going to go anyway. So, you know, you're, I mean, they're already carrying four running backs now. Yeah. Um, so that's another issue. And obviously part of that is because, uh, because of the injury, um, you know, so that's that that's something that, you know, they'll have to, you know, they can make work. Um, then if you want to add void years, um, you know, Peters, you can if you add void years, which would be adding three to Peters deal, he's got this year and next left. So you add three. That's the max that you can prorate uh, is five years. So the one million goes up to one point seven for him. Tavon Young, the five hundred thousand goes up to eight hundred thousand. And for Cook, that uh, 236K goes up to, two, to 620. Um, they've avoided void years, um, but it can be done. And obviously, you know, um, desperation makes, you know, makes you do things you didn't want to do. There's other guys, Campbell, um, uh, Ricard, Jimmy Smith, Deshaun Elliott. I'm not Sean Elliott. Um, yeah, Deshaun Elliott and... Um, and, um, and, and Bozeman, you can do those, uh, they can, with void years, you can get about, you know, 400 grand to 600 grand amongst those guys. Um, but that's pushing, you know, that's starting to push money. That's pushing, you did all of those with void years. You could, you could create almost $6 million, but that's pushing 6 million into future onto the future caps. They've, they've clearly avoided that. Next year, they only, and I say only, but because it, it, it's all relative, but they only have about 25 million in cap space. Um, and that's not, and as we learned this year, 25 million doesn't go very far. So without restructuring deals as they've had to do, and obviously this is a different year for them because of all the injuries, but um, you know, you got to be careful with those void years. But if they really want somebody, you know, they can mortgage the future more than they've been willing to do and, and go get somebody. They're not getting a superstar, but they now could get more. They could get Moses. They could get uh, Mac, um, you know, without doing too much damage. I mean, you got to remember, they've already they've already restructured and pushed close to 10 million onto the future cap, you know, the future years. So, uh, they're, you know, you want to avoid that as much as you can. These are the kinds of things that happen when you've got. $39 million parked on injured reserve and you have $93 million invested in a defense that just isn't performing to the level, their cap level. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, best laid plans and, you know, things haven't worked out and now you've got to make, you've got to make your adjustments if they were, you know, if they're two and if they're two and four right now, or, or whatever it might be, you're, you're, you're not going to do it. But, you know, despite what happened Sunday, you know, they're still in prime position to make, you know, to make the playoffs and make a run. And, you know, this is where, you know, the one two years ago when the, or three years ago now, when the defense was playing so poorly, 
and you know DaCosta pulls Marcus Peters out of his hat for a fifth round pick and and Kenny Young and you know and the defense became a totally different defense after that and I think we're we're partly seeing that while Avert's playing really well I think we're seeing a little of that that you know uh, with Peters and Averett and Marlin uh, and Tavon Young, you know, then you're looking at a, at a lot of different, you know, a lot of different things they can do that they really can't do right now. So, again, I'm going to be Eric here, and I'm going to ask you, Pat, is there anything in the checkbook that I'm overlooking? Are we just – we're pretty much up against it. No, that's it. Uh, I mean, that's it. Lamar restart, I mean, an extension for Lamar, I've had a bunch of people ask about that. Uh, I mean, that's impossible now at this point without restructures. Uh, but with their cap space now, I mean, he's only got a one point, um, about a one point eight million dollar salary. And we're already, you know, we're already seven eighteenths of the season through that. So reducing that down to the minimum, you could give him a the best the best signing bonus you could give him would be two point eight million dollars. <laughs> I don't think you're going to get a long term deal done with him giving him that kind of signing bonus. Uh, that's just not enough at this point. Yeah, it's, it's two point eight million per week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that would be normally what he'd be looking at. Yes. I mean, Dak Prescott got $66 million signing bonus on his deal this spring. So, yeah. you know, we're, I don't think, I don't think 2.8 is going to cut it even, even with an option, a huge option bonus sometime in March, which isn't six months from now, but still, uh, I don't see that happening. Well, hopefully the Ravens will do what they did in 2012. And that's, do some homework at the bye and, and come out a little bit better and and save a season. Not that the season's in peril, but it's not looking like it's going in the right direction based upon the performances of this defense. So maybe they'll get that fixed. And because there's not a whole lot of money out there to really patch these these problems up. Nor are there really is there really the personnel out there to make some of this go away either, even if the Ravens did have plenty of cap space. Yeah, I mean, unless you find a team, you know, that and the problem is the teams that are going to want to sell guys are either guys that are going to be free agents or guys that are too expensive. And if they're too expensive, I don't see how we're going to fit them on the cap. So some of these teams, the Eagles, the, the Jags, you know, if they've got the Seahawks, if they've got somebody they could think about jettisoning, jettisoning um, you know, I don't know that um, – you know, that we're going to be the right suitor. And I don't think they're going to find anybody because, again, there's just with the rolled back cap and a lot of teams have already done, like the Ravens, a lot of restructuring just to be able to get where they are. Um, so that that makes it much more difficult to get deals done. I think, you know, we see that the last couple of years we've we've had kind of more exciting trade deadlines. I'm not sure this one's going to add, add up to that this time. I'm Tony Lombardi. That's Brian McFarlane. We played the roles of Eric DaCosta and Pat Moriarty, respectively. And we appreciate you guys tuning in out there. You can check us out on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon's Audible, and also SoundCloud. So we'll be distributing that on, on those platforms. First, we'll do SoundCloud, but you can check us out on all those other platforms. Just follow us, and, and you'll get notifications on that. So uh, we appreciate our sponsor, uh, Rock Spring Financial Group. And Brian, I appreciate your time. Thanks as always, Tony. All right, guys. Take care. Sounds good. You too.